Don't watch Xanadu. It's you don't need. It's not necessary. Hello, you're on the terrace. This is the companion podcast to Night Terrace, the time travel comedy for your ears. I'm Vaya. I'm a night terry toweling cloth. I absorb details about Night Terrace and then squeeze them back out at you and also details about neighbours and anything neighbours adjacent. In this episode, we are having a look at Series 2, Episode 6, The Edification of Anastasia Black, which Lee Zachariah wrote, one of the splendid chaps, and another splendid chap is Ben McKenzie, voice of Eddie, co-creator of the series. Hello, I was about to say, hello, Eddie. Hello, Ben. You can say hello, Eddie. <laughs> I was going to say hello, Terry. Like I I really thought you'd run out after I, I, the last I episode. Had. I had, and then you found another I opened one. my brain and reached in. You only got to find two more, don't you? <laughs> yep. And then I have to think of something new for Series 3, new gimmick. Yeah. Now, we find Anastasia and Sue on the hunt for Eddie this episode. He's... Not really in this episode. You don't have anything to do, Ben. No, I wasn't there. I, I mean, well, you hear my voice briefly. So, Eddie's stuck travelling with Anastasia's old department researcher colleague, Horatio Gray, who we will hear more from in episode seven. Yes. So, the gals are stuck on this planetoid, a word I'd never encountered before in my human life. Ah, well, it's like a thing that is like a planet. But smaller? Usually smaller. Yeah, but the, I mean, look, this is where the technical definition of planet comes in, and there was all that hoo ha about Pluto. Yeah, you know, because it has to it has to be of a certain mass, and also it has to be a certain shape, and it has to clear out its orbit is one of the big things which oh. Pluto has not done. Pluto hasn't Marie Kondoed his life. No, <laughs> its life. That's true. Our travelers set out to save the local colonists from a blob, the blob. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, our first proper blobby alien. Excellent. Yeah. Which is a fungus, we later learn. Yeah, sort of a weird fungly gelatin-based life form. <laughs> I don't know if you can have a gelatin-based life form. And a fungus. I don't yeah. know. And they have to essentially set the path, uh, rewrite. They essentially then have to write the path of history because there's been some interference and we have some new... I don't want to know what to call them, beings that are overseeing this. Mm, the cosmic uh, immortals. Oh, oh. God, I cannot wait to discuss the cosmic immortals. Oh, they're so much fun. <laughs> we have a, a lovely opening joke that I did not tire of. I listened to it a few times of Amanda Buckley arriving on this planet as Camicia. Yes. Um, what's her rank again? She's an ensign. What does, what does that involve? It's like the most junior kind of officer that oh. you can be. Yeah. It, there's a lot of ensigns in Star Trek, for example. But she's a day from retirement. I know. But, like, she's still an officer. <laughs> you know, but she's the most junior ranking officer on the ship, which is presumably why she has to go out and encounter the monsters. Oh, of course. <laughs> because and no one else wants to do it. She meets her blobby end. Mm. Wow. That Great was name. brutal. Great name as well, actually. I really enjoy the names in this episode. Um, a lot of them are like just crazy that just Lee has had a lot of fun making them up, I'm sure. And there are a few that are the names of our Kickstarter backers. Oh. But Camicia Rossa is not. That was, that was his invention. I don't know where that came from. That's on the cusp of returning to trendy parents baby name lists, I reckon, that one. <laughs> Could be. Well, he's imagining the future, like they've run yeah. out of, you know, the more common names. So while that's happening, we have Anastasia and Sue back at Night Terrace. And Anastasia has been travelling through history 
And as we established last episode, hygiene is not a high priority for that for population. No. Yeah. So they don't know about germs. A side effect is that Anastasia sm- smells and wants to take a bath. I really enjoyed this scene. I think because again, I am not, I don't consume a lot of sci-fi content. So when there are comforts of home, I'm in a familiar place. So I just loved Anastasia rummaging through her bubble bath. Let's see, bubble baths, lavender, rose water, earl grey, chamomile, vodka, cough medicine, burnt flag, aluminium, chlorohydrate, aluminium, zirconium, tetrachlorohydrate. Oh, it's quite a selection. Uh, Earl Grey, I think. Sue bursts in and prevents her from turning the taps on because we can't let the terrace house go off because they don't have Eddie. Yeah. I like how Anastasia's immediately suspicious. He's like, oh, you're just trying to get me out of the bathroom. Because <laughs> you want to have a turn. Yeah. They go out to try and find him. What is out there for them is this clue that's planted by the cosmic immortals. It's a letterbox with Horatio Gray's name on it. So it's kind of a blatant clue. Mm. <laughs> and I do like the way that they say it's crudely constructed, which makes more sense because, like, the house would not take its letterbox with it. But it's plausible that he might have made himself a letterbox. So someone might write to him. Um, yeah, uh, not realising that that's a stupid thing to do. And, of course, he, he hasn't actually done it. It's a plant. Alarm bells go off for Anastasia. She bundles Sue back into Night Terrace and she knows something's up because this is her former colleague. He was supposed to have disappeared. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, we find out. This one is the one that takes me most by surprise when I re-listen to it because, first of all, <laughs> You're I'm not, not in it. it. Uh, I didn't write it. But it also, it's just got lots of little details in that I'm like, oh, is that how we solve that problem? And, yeah, we find out that Anastasia's had this recording of Horatio because the department got this recording some time ago and always knew that he was destined to disappear into space and time, but they didn't do anything about it because they're like, well, we can't make a time paradox. But she's sat on this info and has never listened to it. So she knows she's got information, but she doesn't know what the information is. And I did enjoy the detail that it's a tape. Of all the technology, it's a tape. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, we don't know when exactly it was recorded or how. So Eddie's voice is on the tape and it has been on... The tape in Anastasia's house the whole time. Even before they ever met. Yes. What a brain bender. I love it. Delicious detail. So Anastasia sprays herself down with Eddie's deodorant. I'm going to assume it's, is it a bit of Lynx Africa? Oh God, I hope not. (laughs) It's it's interesting because we want Eddie to sort of embody some of those horrible stereotypes, but also we don't want to endorse those horrible stereotypes by making a hopefully lovable character. (laughs) Get into them. But he's clearly one of those people who thinks that a strong smell is is the way to go. That's Eddie's deodorant. Is this some sort of clever way to home in on his scent? No. If I can't have a bath, then I'm at least going to mask my scent. And for some reason, this house hasn't been stocking up on my own particular products. And there's another little detail buried here, which is that Night Terrace is not supplying the correct toiletries so Anastasia is it doesn't have her own supplies so she has to use Eddie's which is possibly the house doing things on purpose there's a little hint of that in the previous episode where they've run out of time and and, <laughs> and when Eddie mentions that Anastasia's about to say oh yeah I was also out of this other thing and they've also run out of peppermint tea yep. I think so it's yeah there's a little thread there I, there's two confrontation scenes with Sue and Anastasia that I enjoyed. The first is towards the start where Sue accuses her of deliberately ditching Eddie. We have this sort of reversal of status where Sue's um, tearing strips off of Anastasia. You have a fight with someone. You abandon them in ancient Gaul? Is that how it works? I swear I'm as much in the dark as you are. 
We both know that's never true. And then later on again calls her out on it and, yeah, it's just a nice change of pace for those two. It's really nice to have some real drama in there, you know, between the characters. It's not just all jokes because it's it's serious. This is high stakes. Like one of the characters has disappeared at this stage. We don't know what's happened to him or where he's gone. And the most experienced among them is just concerned about running a bath and doesn't want to go out and find him. Yeah, yeah. Despite all that they've experienced together. And her first response when Sue says... You don't think they got him, do you? No. I don't have that kind of luck. He's probably hiding or trapped behind the sofa again. And you're like, (laughs) whoa, harsh. It's really hard to... Whenever you consume fiction you try and place yourself in it and how what how these characters relate to your relationships and i cannot figure out what anastasia's relationship with eddie correlates to in my own life i'm like is i keep trying to think of workmates that i've had issues with there's never been anyone that i've had issues with but also kept around and wanted to Mm. have as part of my team so it's a really puzzling Scenario. Well, she's in that position where she doesn't have the option. <laughs> like she could, I mean, she could kick him out of the house, but then he's stuck wherever the house happens to be. Like <laughs> she can't send him home. So she's kind of stuck with him. Yep. And I think that's, that's partly where the frustration mm. comes from. And initially, you know, she makes the most of it and they do get along. But again, you know, once Sue arrives and she realizes, oh, this is what it could have been like. <laughs> I didn't have to have this irritating mm. pseudo son. Um, <laughs> Then, yeah, it's it's all a bit different. Quick question while Sue and Anastasia are off to board this space capsule and they say cooey. Is this an Australian-specific term? It is what we say when bushwalking to make sure people know where we are. So, you know, you're out in the bush, you call out cooey, you do it quite loud and then someone else will hear it. Yeah, I think it's a think fairly it Australian thing, yeah. but I, I don't know if it originated here or if we imported it. Like, you know, everything else. <laughs> well, a quick little Google. Oh. And it is Australian, idiosyncratically Australian, and originates from the Darug language uh, of oh. Sid- uh, in Sydney. There we go. That's and the other most Australian thing to do is not import it from overseas, but to steal it from yeah. the Aboriginal population. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> it means come here. We're sorry for so many things. <laughs> and we should be. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, me- it means come here. Oh, great. It's beautiful. And the first image I saw was World War One propaganda, recruitment propaganda, which is oh, yeah. that, that poster, a call from the Dardanelles. Cooey, won't you come? Enlist now. Oh, yeah. I remember that from high school Yep, history. high school history. <laughs> yeah, so I learned that in high school history. I didn't learn the origin of the word. No, would it have killed them to take it a no. step back and give us a bit of etymology? Oh, that's terrible. Anyway, so there you go. Now you know. They board this space capsule. We meet... The crew, it's a democratic crew. <laughs> sort of, <laughs> sort yes. Of. We have Captain Sturk, played by Emily Tahini, Australian yes. comedic legend oh, on she's screen. So, she's so good. Is she dead? Her heart stopped beating. She doesn't appear to be breathing and all her skin and organs are missing and she's essentially just a skeleton. So, yeah, it's not looking good. And Lee Zachariah, writer of the episode. Yeah, he usually shows up somewhere during the season. Yeah, <laughs> and this is his point, yes. And what is going on with this other character, Haggis McHaggis? Okay. This stoner character that Dave Lamb is playing? Yeah, yeah. Someone report. Shh. Nobody make a sound. I'm trying to sleep. He's on this mission and he's the security officer, but he's also <laughs> just does not give a crap. But also uh, his name was a name that a backer wanted us to put into the show. 
I love it. And so we said yes because we're like, okay, sure. It's the future. People could be named anything. Yeah, Haggis McHaggis, and he is not remotely Scottish. No. From what we can tell. None of them sound Scottish no, or anything. That's just and they've got name. this sort of great sort of mixture of names from different cultures, which is nice. Although we do have, you know, Captain Sturk, obviously, a bit of a riff on, uh, on another <laughs> famous captain. Kayleen Sturk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, great. Great names. They want to settle on the planetoid really just for the financial bonus. Yeah. Uh, Anastasia wants to stay and help them, but Sue's like, no, there's no time for this. We have to go. And there's this speech here where Anastasia goes on a rant about Eddie. Just because he's reckless and endangers us constantly and makes travelling across the universe a chore and frustrates the hell out of me and contributes nothing to the team, nothing does not mean I'm not going to go out of my way to find him and let him back into my home. Good to get that off your chest? No. Now I feel guilt. Both of them kind of reaching boiling point. Yeah. Then they encounter the creature outside, the blob, blobby, Sue injures herself, so they've got to retreat back to the capsule. Which I think is the one and only time we have anyone twist their ankle. And this is like a, this is a time-honoured tradition of Doctor Who. Look, it's one of those time-honoured traditions, which I'm sure if you actually did the maths, it probably only happens like a dozen times over 50 years of the show. Yeah. But when it does happen, it just seems so ridiculous. Mm. I can think of a couple of episodes where it happens and it slows them down just enough that the danger comes back. Like, no one would do that. But Well, yet relatable. I'd be twisting my ankle every single day if yeah. I was somebody's companion on this mission, on a mission like this. Yeah, and we make Sue do it, and she's, like, really annoyed yeah. with herself. She's so capable. She, she's just like, this is ridiculous. And and I, it's hinted at, I don't know if we ever explicitly say, but it's pretty strongly hinted that the undergrowth has been arranged by the Cosmic Immortals oh. to make that happen. Ah, my leg! Idiot put that branch there. What happened? I sprained my ankle like an idiot. Oh, bloody painful. And little shout out to Petra Elliott's immediate frustration at like that that stubbing your toe feeling where a sentence just kind of spews out of you yeah. really quickly, but still audibly. She has some great deliveries this episode. Well, so the only stakes are a bonus check and you don't need us to stay. Captain, fellas, it's been real. We'll be off now. Anastasia, fine, fine. Anastasia realises there's got to be some other force at play here, suspecting the cosmic immortals, which it's religion, somebody's religion. Yeah. <laughs> it's a part of space mythology. They're like sirens. They're supposed to either help or hinder travellers through the universe. Yeah. Anastasia's trying to call their bluff a little bit. Well, like yeah. If- so she's, she's figured out they must want us to stay. So she makes it very clear and obvious, oh, we're not doing that, uh, so that they don't have any choice but to show up and directly intervene. Right. So she makes the- She's sick of all this, like, yes. shadow puppetry, like, shadow puppetry? Sick of all this puppeteering from behind the scenes, like, tricking them into doing what they want. And yes, she's like, no, if you want me to do something, you show up and tell me. Yeah, it's more like marionette puppetry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she makes the, the space crew have this forced democratic vote, like, let's leave, no, and then the cosmic immortals materialise. Yeah. These are, uh, I think this is my couple of my favourite characters from this whole series. I Just, series just before we talk about them, yeah. I just want to say I love the fanfare that happens when they show up. Yes. It's so good and so terrible at the same time. Do you know what it reminded me of? No. Xanadu. Ah! Something about when the muses descend. Don't watch Xanadu. It's you don't need. It's not necessary. But that sound just made me feel like I was something was going on. Hi, this is David Ashton reporting from Off the Terrace. I tried to make it slightly impressive, but also slightly tacky, because I think that's what the cosmic immortals are, and I think I think they would when they appeared they would 
try and make themselves seem impressive, but but not quite hit the mark. Neon lasers and muses descending from Mount Olympus, and uh, yeah, that's basically what happens. Yeah, yeah. We have you and you as just okay. These characters just have so many jokes embedded into everything that they're saying. It's a delight. Mm. Played by Celia Pacuola and Laura Hughes. Oh, it was so good. It was one of those things that just all came together. So I was keen to get Celia in because she's just hilariously funny and I'd been lucky enough to work with her in a live sketch show in Melbourne called the Anarchist Guild Social Committee. Fantastic, very, very funny. I mean, very successful stand-up. Um, she's since gone on to be hugely successful TV comedian and actor. Sometimes we cast someone, we know we want them and we can think of a few different parts for them. And we're not sure which one is going to work out. And there were a couple of different ones we were thinking of for Celia. And then eventually we cast her as one of the U's. Lee Zachariah had the idea to get in Laura Hughes, who he knew from the comedy show Open Slather. Yeah, sketch show. Yeah. Uh, and so we got them both in and it turned out that they knew each other and were pretty happy to be working together and had a ball in the little recording booth together because we couldn't record them with the rest of the cast. We had to record them separately. And they just... They just went off and it was so much fun. Oh, delightful. Um, they nailed all the comedy, but they also just had a ball in the booth. Anytime I act, I just try and beat Kate Blanchett. <laughs> this is Kate Blanchett. Incorrect. This is Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Kate Blanchett commands you to recognise that I am Kate Blanchett. <laughs> that sounds like Kate Blanchett, but really this is the real <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know how to warm up. Neither do I. And apparently Laura's been in a TV series in the US called The Detour that create, was created by Samantha B. Oh, yeah. She's she's um at least partly based over in the US oh. now. So, yeah, she splits her time and has done heaps of acting. So they've both gone on to be great. It's nothing to do with Night Terrace, I hasten to add. It's just their own talent. But it's great to talk up. Like you say, you cast people I like and know, but also it's not like you're casting just A-list Australian stars that you want to be in the room with. We don't have the biggest entertainment industry over here. So some people do appreciate these opportunities. They have holes in their schedules and it's a great showcase of a lot of our talent that aren't necessarily working 365 days a year. Well, I think one of the other things about it is that we make so little sci-fi and fantasy in Australia because it's just too expensive, right? We don't have the budgets for it here because we don't have the audience for it. We don't have the reach. And really the only time people get to be in that kind of thing here is when a foreign production is filming here. So, like, they filmed a season of Preacher here recently and, like, six or seven people that I know are in it. And I'm like, I know them, I know them, I know them because they cast local actors from Melbourne. In fact, um, Virginia Gay, who was a guest Ah. on season one of Night Terrace, is in one of the early episodes of Preacher season four. I think it's season four. And you don't get that opportunity. So I think, I think that's the other appeal is we say, look, you know, we don't have much money, but it's not going to take you very long. And you can read the script because you're on audio. You don't have to learn the lines. You don't have to hit a mark. You don't have to get measured for costumes. Like doing audio eliminates a lot of the tedious parts of being on television because making television is great. Like I, I've loved doing it the couple of times I've been lucky enough to get on there, but it, there is a lot of guff that goes on. Mm that you just don't need to do yeah. in audio. It's a pain in the ass. So you get to when skip you have to all, see people. Well, exactly. You know, and it's and it's a lot more expensive. Um so you can skip all that stuff and do something exciting like be a cosmic immortal. And I don't just love the jokes that the immortals say, but just the way they they don't even really finish each other's sentences, but one of them just provides afterthoughts for the other. Recent unexpected events were changing your personal history. 
it was becoming less likely that you would arrive before your untimely... Uh, 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 untimely living out the rest of your life happily. Good save. <laughs> oh, that's so... I had forgotten that line. Oh, it's it's really funny. Yeah. and But kind of sinister, because as much as we know they're, like, covering their own asses, at the same time we're like, but you're cosmic immortals. Doesn't that mean you know the future? What horrible thing is going to happen? They provide the information that Eddie has actually saved the day. What are the odds? In the timeline at some point. In the original way history was meant to go. And look, this is one of those times, I said last episode of the podcast, time travel doesn't make sense. This episode does not make any sense. And because the cosmic immortals essentially have to write the universe's predetermined path, Mm. they protect it from threats from people that tamper with history. Anastasia and Sue realise that they're going to have to try and recreate what Eddie would have done. And so <laughs> Sue instructs Anastasia to be the Eddie. Be the Eddie. <laughs> oh, unleash the Eddie inside you. The real Eddie was inside you all along. I don't think they use any of those lines, but it's that sort of sentiment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I, it's an interesting dilemma for her because she's like, but I hate the way he does things. He's so irritating. And the line later when she says to the blob, have you heard of idiots? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's one of them. Yeah, that's right. So off she goes, she encounters the blob, Anastasia, and obviously Sue's tied up with her injury. The blob that she calls Frank swallows her up. This is some of the most amazing audio. No! gooey sounds and then oh, into so Jackie Woodburn's sort of tone drop. Her voice lowers after she's been regurgitated. Uh, well, I have never been vomited up before and I would really love to never be again. And what's happened is the creature has been repelled by Eddie's deodorant yeah. that Anastasia is wearing. She didn't even have to do anything. She just had to be wearing the same gross deodorant as him. (laughs) Which, again, was predestined because the house sort of made it that she didn't have her own fragrance. Yeah. She had to use Eddie's. Weird, isn't it? I I like uh, there's lots of pulling of strings. There's lots of weird coincidences. How much of it is the Cosmic Immortals? How much is the house? How much is just whatever else? You don't know. Fate and or, yeah. Exactly. Magic. I mean, are we allowed to say magic? Yeah, you can say magic. <laughs> I mean, they're cosmic immortals. I mean, they. I should say, in case it's not clear, that the cosmic immortals are meant to be a piss take of Q from Star Trek, who is a <sighs> character played by John Delancey, now just as famous for being on the My Little Pony TV show. Discord. Um, but he, um, you know, he was this immortal being who starts, he's, he's in the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and he keeps popping up in that show and at least a couple of the others as well. And he's this sort of immortal, omnipotent and extremely annoying character. But he's very arrogant and just treats everyone else like they're nothing. Whereas the joke with the Cosmic Rules is not only are they like that, but also they don't really know what they're doing. They're just a little bit crap at it, which I just kind of really liked. (laughs) We are omnipotent beings. We do not trap easily. We control nearly all of the dimensions. Height. Depth and time. Not width, though. No, we've never been able to get the hang of that one. What if you turned to the side and did depth? Yes, we tried that. 
because they are a bit incompetent, but they are also omnipotent beings. So yes, they've tried anything that you mere mortals can and, and suggest. Also they make problems for themselves. Like you don't have to talk in unison where they say they answer in unison, but they say the wrong thing. Have you come to kill us or rescue us? Kill neither. you, I me mean neither. Oh, so good. There's a beautiful moment where Anastasia takes a beat after essentially defeating the blob and says, oh, well, smells like Eddie, <laughs> which is yeah. the only moment of sentiment we get, I think, in the whole series so far. Well, there's a bit, she's also got that little speech where she's sort of listing how annoying he is, but it sort of turns into also some of his endearing traits as well. And you're like, oh, he makes tea oh, yeah. nicely. Yeah. Which yeah. is funny because my co-host on Neighbours, my other podcast this week said, it's just me or is Susan just making tea in every scene at the moment? And it's like every scene, Susan's just making a cup of tea. I think I think that's Jackie Woodburn getting warmed up for Night Terror Season yes. 3. She's getting into the mood. So they gather up all the antiperspirate they can find, give it to the colonists on the space capsule and say, here, this will protect you from Frank the Blob. Who voiced that blobby man? I'm blobby- pretty sure that was Amanda. But with uh, Dave Ashton's oh. magic touch. She becomes this kind of sassy drag queen at, yeah. s- at some point, which yeah. I enjoyed. Yeah, well, because the blob isn't normally able to talk, but because it swallowed the other character, oh. it's like taken on this sort of vaguely human consciousness cool. and can speak and understand what humans are about. So the, the crew is safe and ugly. He's now a convert <laughs> to the Cosmic Immortals, as am I. And Sue and Anastasia rush back to them to say, hey, so we saved this planetoid like we were Eddie. Where is he? And why couldn't you have brought him here to do it himself? And they like, well, funny story. We can't. He's stuck with Horatio. Bye. Yeah. Jerks. <laughs> uh, oh, and not just that. Not He's not just stuck, but they, the two of them are either going to die or all of humanity will die. Bye. Good luck. See ya. Yeah. You know what I was saying before about how it's nice when the stakes are just personal drama? Um, well, the stakes have been upped, people. Yeah. <laughs> One of our main protagonists or all of humanity. Which are we more attached to? Hard to know. It's, what's that? There's that, um, I've forgotten who talks about this, but it's somebody wrote a book about screenwriting and they, were always, they, they said something like, you know, put a cat on the planet. Like if a planet's going to blow up, nobody cares. But if one of the main characters' cat is on the planet, then everybody cares. Well, it's the whole Titanic thing. Do we need Jack and Rose? Or is it not tragic enough that 1,500 people are going to drown? Well, we kind of – but we do because we don't know 1,500 people. We have to know somebody on the ship for it to be – you know, have personal stakes for us. But I just – I want to salute Emily Tahini's performance in this episode because it's good all the way to the end. She came into the studio and she'd just flown in like half an hour before she came in to do the recording because there was some sort of weird double booking thing. And she still said, no, I can still make it. I can still make it. And then like her plane got delayed or something happened. And she came in and she was all a bit discombobulated and a little bit jet lagged. And she still, she was a trooper, but it took her a few takes for some of the lines. I'm a veteran of the Space Corps with two decades experience of alien worlds and interplanetary threats. I don't think I said that right. (laughs) But she's still. But you, you would know, never you can't know. Tell. It. You would you never can't know. Tell. It. Yeah. I believed her as my captain, and all of her takedowns. You're just gonna let them go. Shh. I want to see if they get eaten. I love you, Captain. Shut up, Ugly. 
Like when he, even when he professes his love randomly, was that a nod to something? I don't, no, I don't think so. Just in every action movie where well, suddenly two crew members are like, I love you. Yeah. But she just went, shut up. <laughs> well, cause they're kind of, they're not the only ones left alive, but the other ones asleep. So. <laughs> and he's not a great option. No. I mean, and that is a trope of all those space movies where there's only two people who don't get killed by the aliens is that the last two end up together. So you end on a cliffhanger. You've done a couple of these this series. Yeah, well, you know, we, we we gathered people's trust in the first season and now we're like, okay, come with us on this one. So we'll hopefully get more of the Eddie Horatio portion of adventure in the next instalment. I can safely say yes, that's true. And I mean, look, if, if listeners have looked at the episode titles, they know that the next one is called The Retirement of Horatio Grace. So <laughs> the title sort of tells you that that is definitely on the cards. So shall we recommend some content to get us through over the cliff into episode seven? I think we should. It's Sometimes it's tricky to recommend things because obviously we want to service our international audience, but with streaming, it's great, but not everything is available in every country. So yeah, Rosehaven, Celia's show is some places, but not others. Um, but I want to just recommend a really easy thing. And that's the web series that Emily Tahini made with Jess Harris called Wine. A bottle shared is a problem halved. It's the two of them <laughs> playing friends, having a bottle of wine, shooting the breeze. It's delightful. Sometimes all you need is a web series to get the flavor of somebody. And it's just perfect encapsulation of Emily. Look, I just want to recommend pretty much any episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that has Q in it because then you'll really get where the cosmic immortals are coming from. I mean, I I say any of them. Some of them are too stupid. Hiding Q is great. That's where he gives his powers to one of the other crew members and they have to decide if they're going to use them and (laughs) what for. The next one after that is when he just throws the ship across the other side of the universe and says, hey, check this out. You're not ready for what's out here. He's just a jerk to them. That's a pretty good one. And then um, the one after that, he's annoyed the other members of the continuum so much that they turn him into a human being. And he turns up going, I've got no powers. Can I hang out with you guys? And they're like, no, you're a jerk. We hate you. Um, so they're all, they're all pretty good. He's always entertaining. If you've not seen any Star Trek before, probably that third, the middle of those episodes that I've mentioned, Q Who, is, is probably more indicative of what Star Trek The Next Generation is like. It's a bit more serious. Or just listen to him voice Discord in season two of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. <laughs> I keep forgetting that he's done that. <laughs> Uh, and apparently he got all these emails, like he just did it, like Krusty the Clown went into the voice booth, did it, went home, never thought about it again. And then m- months and months later, he opened his inbox one day and there were 500 emails. And, and he said to his wife, what, what's happening here? And she said, oh, you know, it's from that little girl's cartoon show that you did. And he goes, these aren't emails from little girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's, there's an interesting there's a committed fan base. dynamic for the fan base out there for My Little Pony, which is a great show. And you have a committed fan base of Night Terrace, which is wonderful because we'd love you to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts for On The Terrace, but also start getting behind the Kickstarter for Series 3. Yeah, which will be coming out around the time that the season finishes on on uh, BBC Radio, so keep an eye out for that. There's so many good rewards. I mean, you could end up with a voice part in an episode. This episode's set in a science fiction world of spaceships and alien planets and monsters and things. It's a little bit more Star Trek-y than we usually do in, in Night Terrace. So, um, so that was a lot of fun to create those sounds, particularly the, the airlock door on the spaceship, putting in as many clanking, whirring noises as I could to suggest something really heavy. 
um, and you'll notice that sound sort of speeds up and gets shorter as the episode goes on so that we're not spending half the episode just listening to the airlock opening and closing. It also has a voice saying airlock opening, which I believe was a backer who recorded it himself because he lives in America. One of our Kickstarter backers, that is. As a reward, uh, some of our Kickstarter backers get a little voice cameo and he sent his from America and we stuck it in and we deliberately wrote a line that the recording quality was not so important, so it could be recorded by the backer himself. Airlock closing. I only picked that up on like my second or third time having a listen. Yeah. Just going, does that, did the door just speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, which, you know, might seem a bit over the top, but if there's any door that you want to definitely know when it's opening and closing, it's the airlock on a spaceship. Yeah, good call. You don't want that to open in a in a surprise way. Well, that's us, Ben. If you want more information on On the Terrace or Night Terrace, just head to nightterrace.com. The next episode will be on BBC Radio 4 Extra and bbc.co.uk, iPlayer or BBC Sounds app. Tweet us your thoughts at Night Terrace or tweet me at NeighboursPod, which is where I tweet about Neighbours for my other podcast, Neighbours. Go and listen to Neighbours. It's great. It's ludicrous. And we will have a chat next time and another cup of tea on the terrace. Bye. You have been listening to On the Terrace, a Splendor Chaps production. Find more entertainment for your ears at splendorchaps.com.